Since 2010, many of us Montana residents, business owners, sportsmen and women, and conservationists join forces under the banner of Montanans for Healthy Rivers to identify and conserve the last best free-flowing rivers in Montana. Some of the greatest river stewards and boots on the ground helping to protect our rivers day in and day out are guides. From a guiding perspective, I can tell you that sustainability and preservation is my ultimate goal. My name is Kinsley Scott. I'm a Montana native and guide, and I have been with Montanans for Healthy Rivers for years now. Welcome to River Ramble Guides Edition. In this series, we will hear from guides and outfitters from across the state in various regions of the proposed grassroots legislation Montanans for Healthy Rivers Coalition is currently fighting for. The Crown of the Continent proposal would protect 200 river miles in the heart of Montana, and the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act would preserve an additional 336 miles of river within the pristine Greater Yellowstone ecosystem. In today's episode, we are joined by a retired Marine and longtime outfitter, Chris Fleck. Chris has fished and guided the Stillwater River for nearly two decades. As a passionate conservationist, Chris is here representing the Stillwater and West Stillwater, an area that could receive 43 miles of protection. Chris shares with us why this protection is so needed. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Kinsley. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Doing doing great. Thank you very much for calling. Of course. Yes. Thank you for joining us here today. And Chris, you're here to stand up and champion your river. <laughs> when I was looking into this area of the world, your name was synonymous with the Stillwater. So I thought, who better to represent it than yourself? Well, yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, I, I'd like to think that we we do a lot of you know good and responsible uh, work here, and that's my business and and the, the guides that I utilize. So, absolutely. So, we're not just talking about the Stillwater today. We're actually talking about the Stillwater and the West Fork of the Stillwater. So, I'll kind of give a little introduction here. The Stillwater is one of the most important spawning tributaries of the Yellowstone River, and Chris. Being based out of Nye and a shop in Columbus, Montana, he is the authority on this waterway. He has owned and operated Stillwater Anglers since 2008 and opened a fly shop in Columbus about a decade ago. Chris is a well-respected figure in this area of the world. Chris, I was wondering, for those that don't know you, can you please tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure, Kinsley, I'd be happy to. Um, in my, my previous life, uh, I was uh, in the Marine Corps, active duty for a little over 23 years, retired as a lieutenant colonel in 2001 and relocated uh, here to Montana uh, into the Columbus area. So I've been here uh, about 20 or 21 years now. Um, I started um, guiding in 2003 as a way to parlay my, my passion and interest in, in fly fishing and to a, a second career and thought that it would be something that I would be able to uh, help other people uh, to share, you know, my enjoyment and pleasure of the sport. And things just kind of took off and grew from there progressively, as you outlined in your introductory remarks, like a lot of guys starting off guiding and, you know, eventually kind of work your way up. And then uh, mm-hmm. it seemed like a logical step to get my outfitter's license. And then an opportunity presented itself as you mentioned, 2011 to expand into the 
the retail business as well, which I did to have a kind of a total, uh, you know, overall umbrella of my business, uh, which I've been able to to do. And we're going into our 11th season now with the fly shop. So uh, it's been mm-hmm. a great uh, experience for me. First, I want to say thank you for your service. We we really appreciate it. So let me ask you, Chris, what made you decide on that area of the world? Is this somewhere you had visited prior to moving to Montana? <clears throat> yes and no. So my folks were originally from Wyoming, and I uh, came on the scene. They moved out to California after the war, which is World War II <laughs> as a reference point. And <laughs> Uh, I came on the scene out there and, and grew up out in California, kind of in, in what is kind of referred to as the golden age or golden era of California. Um, but spent a lot of time as a, as a, as a younger kid and even as a younger adult before I went in the service in Wyoming, uh, you know, spent summers there and so forth, had a lot of family still there and whatnot. So I always, always liked this general region, kind of the, I guess you say the Northern Rocky Mountain region, you know, and figured mm-hmm. when I did have an opportunity uh, to settle here, it was always something kind of in the back of my mind, which then I was able to do when I retired from the Marine Corps. Uh, I had come to this area on a couple of fishing excursions while I was still in the Marine Corps in the 90s, mid-90s, I guess, and uh, discovered uh, this this area and liked it. And and when I said, when I was able to uh, start to look for a place to settle, then that was first first foremost on my mind. That's great. And it is a beautiful area of the world that you live in. Um, and let me ask you, Chris, nowadays, uh, what rivers do you spend most of your time on? I spend most of the, the vast majority of my time uh, on the Stillwater and the Yellowstone uh, in the area, I would say, between between Columbus and Big Timber, about 40 miles of the Yellowstone there, mm-hmm. what people commonly refer to as the lower Yellowstone. So um, mm-hmm. business-wise, you know, we do a handful of trips on some other waters in, in the area, uh, the greater region, like down the Bighorn or the upper Yellowstone or maybe occasionally some other places, and I'm, which I'm licensed to operate uh, in those waters. But for a practical matter, you know, my business revolves around, you know, the Stillwater and this area of the Yellowstone. Fabulous. Yes. And so I have you representing the upper Stillwater and the West Stillwater within the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act region. And the protection we're talking about today, the main stem of the Stillwater would receive 26 miles of protection from the source in the Absaroka Beartooth Wilderness downstream to the wilderness boundary. And the West Stillwater would gain 14 miles of protection from the source, again in the wilderness, downstream to that wilderness boundary. So, Chris, for listeners that aren't familiar with this area of the world, can you give us a geographic location, kind of drop us a pin of where we're talking about today? Yeah, exactly, Kinsley. When when I get asked that question by people that I meet, friends, relatives, what have you, I always say that we're located right over the mountains from Yellowstone Park, which is uh, mm-hmm. geographically uh, true and accurate. And believe it or not, we're almost exactly in the, in the south central part of the state if you were to you know you know measure it by any any type of uh means so that's the best way to des- describe it uh as i said yeah, we're at the base um you know the, the the stillwater river headwaters you know as you know start way way up in the northeast corner of the park you know and come flowing down through the the uh the beartooth mountain range uh gaining some of them have name 
tributaries and some of them are just the, the no-name little uh, cricks and draws and so forth that flow mm-hmm. into it until it finally, finally flows out of the mountains uh, and then into the national, uh, access, excuse me, access to the national forest. And then, as I said, there's approximately about 45 miles uh, of uh, navigable uh, waterway that the river meanders uh, down through the uh, Stillwater Valley, which is largely agricultural uh, until it flows into the uh, Yellowstone River uh, at Columbus. Mm-hmm. So it's a main a main tributary of the Yellowstone. It's a main uh, a spawning uh, tributary for habitat coming up out of the Yellowstone, uh, which is is vital, of course. You know the rainbow trout and the, and the brown mm-hmm. trout both come up here and spawn in their respective spawning seasons. So it's a, it's a vital um, habitat for that. And the Stillwater system is a blue ribbon fishery, is that correct? Yes, uh, blue ribbon fishery. Um, mm-hmm. It has, uh, a, I'd say, a couple of uh, tributaries that, that come in, the rosebud system. So if you were to look on a map, um, you've got the east and west rosebud that, that come together in the vicinity of the community of Absorki, which is about 15 miles upstream from Columbus. Uh, so it gains, you know, considerable flow and, and so forth there. As you mentioned earlier, the West Fork of the Stillwater that generally speaking flows in mm-hmm. from the, uh, the Southwest, um, uh, drains, you know, some of the country up, up to the Southwest and it comes in here at Nye and adds again, you know, volume and so forth, uh, to flow down mm-hmm. through the, the rest of the valley. It is a gorgeous area. When I was, I admittedly have not fished or been on the Stillwater, and I am born and raised in Montana, so it's definitely on my list. But <laughs> let me ask you, why is this area of the world special to you? Well, as I said, it's special to me, and, and you know, not just for, uh, you know, reasons of, you know, kind of where I make a living and, and so forth, but just to enjoy the quality of life that it, that it affords, the, the beauty mm-hmm. uh, in terms of the scenery, in, you know, the fishery in, in terms of, you know, the recreation aspect of it. And I might add that one of the things that I think is, is really key to the Stillwater, not just unique to the Stillwater, I'm sure a lot of other river systems in the state, um, this holds true as well. But there mm-hmm. are a lot of uh, diverse uh, interests and, and activities that all revolve around the health of the the water in the system, meaning that, you know, obviously agriculture is is vital, Uh, recreation, both commercial and private, um, and so Mm -hmm. forth, all have in common the need to maintain the quality in terms of quantity and and cleanliness of the the water system. Yes, I would would say that most every Montanan, whether or not you fish, recreate, uh, whether you're on the agricultural side of things, we really do care about our waters here and our ecosystems. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and as you said, it, it supports, um, you know, an awful, an awful lot uh, of, you know, diversity, I guess, within the ecosystem. You know, I'm kind of mm-hmm. uh, getting outside of my uh, wheelhouse here on, on technical knowledge, but, uh, you know, there's there's a tremendous amount of not just aquatic life, but uh, other riparian life that is supported here, uh, you know, on the Stillwater as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of threading into 
that idea of conservation, how do you share important conservation issues facing Montana with clients or customers that come into the shop, say? Well, I I thought about that. And one of the things that I think is important is realizing, you know, how many people during the course of a season that we come in contact with through our guiding operations and then just through, you know, our uh, our shop uh, with retail customers as well. And, and you know, hundreds and thousands, if not thousands of people that we uh, we come in contact with. And I think it's important to be mainly that we, we set a good example of, of stewardship when we are out on the river and the guys, not just myself, but this is important, the guys I utilize. Um, mm-hmm. And we're able to maybe share and, and tell a story. And it's not necessarily um, something that is, is, is formal or whatever. In fact, it's not, but just through our, our everyday actions and what, you know, and, and how we do go about doing our business. And, you know, and for example, okay, you know, we encourage uh, cleanliness in terms of gear and gear and equipment to try to minimize, mm-hmm. um, you know, the carrying and transmit of aquatic invasive species into the, into the waterway system. Uh, you know, that's one thing that's mm-hmm. important. It's just a matter of just, you know, having people clean their boots, clean their waders, uh, you know, what have you, if they're coming from out of the area, out of state. Um, the things we do, we we do practice catch and release, um, main, maintaining that as 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 part of the a basis for our our guided fishing uh, trips, and, and that's mainly mm-hmm. just so we are are encouraging people, you know, to uh, handle and play play the fish promptly, handle handle fish promptly and properly, and be able to put them back. Uh, health, healthy and, and safely for someone else to enjoy another day. And that message generally resonates with people. Um, they understand that. Um, you know, I'm not opposed to if, if the need arises to keep a fish every now and then, if it's, if it's injured and it's not going to, going to survive <laughs> the, the process, which does happen occasionally. But as a general rule, you know, practicing that, that measure, uh, to try to maintain, um, the, the the quantity and the quality of the of the fish in the system. Uh little things like um you know for example we've we've gone away from utilizing plastics in our operations. So we don't have plastic, mm-hmm. you know, cups for flies or we don't have plastic water bottles out on the uh in our boats on the river that get, you know, blown blown off the boat and into the water <laughs> and end up, you know, creating debris and litter and so forth. So there's there's just a lot of little practices that we do that I think when people see it and see us do it, um, it, it, it resonates with them and maybe they will, you know, take up that. Plus, as I said, you know, we come in contact with an awful lot of people. Occasionally we have an opportunity to engage in conversations or things like that. So again, these people, a lot of them are, are, you know, they're, they're voters. They're, they're people that, you know, represent a lot of different interests, a, a wide cross section of, of business and industry and communities and regions and things within the state, within the country. So if we can impart, um, you know, those little practices and messages to people, I think it makes a difference. Oh, without without a doubt. And I'm going to kind of go out of order here, my, my usual, just because that is such a great uh, point to build on. Um, I was wondering, Chris, if you could share a story in which a client or customer of the shop demonstrated conservation ethics through your teaching. Well, I think it's it's, um, probably the main the main thing that, that comes to mind is um, you know, probably what I had mentioned about catch and release, you know, mm-hmm. as a as a practice for a guiding operation. So 
you know, I've had clients where, um, you know, they, no fault of their own, had, you know, not made me necessarily very experienced, uh, maybe my most likely beginning anglers. And once they were exposed to that and then understood the idea behind it, you know, realized that that's, that's a good practice. And then they, they took that back to from where they came from and, and practiced it on, on their own fishing trips. And the next time we saw them out here with us, um, they were able to impart that to us that, you know, we, it makes sense. And we were, we've been doing that and, and we understand the, the reasoning behind it. And, uh, you know, that, that makes you feel, feel pretty good. We're just a little, little lesson like mm-hmm. that or a little practice like that, you know, makes a difference. It really does. And yes, the health of the fishery, it, it's great how we, like you said, we have the opportunity to connect and impact so many different people from so many different walks of life. And so if we can impart that conservation, you know, teaching that you just described, that is absolutely something that's applicable back in their home or somewhere else they might visit. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, and it's, you you come to realize, uh, you know, after you've been guiding for more than a couple of trips, uh, that you're you when you're in that boat with those clients, you know, you're considered the duty expert on everything Montana, mm-hmm. uh, every <laughs> aspect of, of the, the, the geography and terrain, wildlife, you know, the river system, you know, whatnot. So when you stop and think about it, you know, you've you've got kind of a uh, important uh influence on on those people because what what you say is going to carry a lot of weight because you're looked at as speaking from authority so if you if mm-hmm. you are inaccurate with your information and likewise as i say kind of practicing a good example leading by example if they see us um you know doing inappropriate practices and this goes into you know things that aren't necessarily uh, you know uh, part of this conversation but you know, you get into river etiquette issues and things like that. So mm-hmm. if they see us violating river etiquette rules or things or condoning things like that or doing things like that, then it kind of, uh, uh, you know, lessens, uh, I think, the quality um, of the experience that we're imparting to the clients. Agreed. And I I totally agree with that. I think we, you know, as almost gatekeepers of the like you said, it's not just the waterway, even though we do directly make a living off of the waters. Mm-hmm. It is really about the entire ecosystem. And yes, leading yeah. by example, that is perfect. Yep. Yeah. And it, and it is, it's, it's a lot more uh, than just, you know, how many and how big fish uh, a client catches. I know, obviously, mm-hmm. probably the majority of people, uh, you know, that's, that's their main interest. Uh, when they want to take a guided trip, they want to catch a bunch of fish and they want to catch the big fish. And certainly you, you, you try your best as a guide to do that. But then you also, as you mentioned, being, being the stewards of the resource and, and bearing a big responsibility, uh, to educate, you know, clients mm-hmm. in, you know, the practices, conservation practices, etiquette practices and so forth so that they understand, um, you know, what, what it's all about. And I think when Montana, um, you know, I've I've fished other places in the Rocky Mountain West as as a client, and so on. And uh, I think that we do it do it well here. Uh, are we perfect? You know, heck no. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have, always have room for improvement, but I think we do a pretty good job uh, in our industry of establishing mm-hmm. and maintaining um, you know, good you know, high standards. And uh, I don't always see that in other places I go. I do agree with that. 
So let me ask you, Chris, if this bill is passed, the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act that would protect the still water, how do you see this area or your area of the world benefiting from this protection? Well, I think that the main thing is, as I said, uh, is keeping the, the the water quality, uh, you know, maintaining you know at a at a high a high level, high standard, is mm-hmm. important for all the things that we we've just discussed. Uh, as you may be you know be aware, I didn't mention it, but um, up here uh, at the base of the of the mountains, at the headwaters of the of the Stillwater. There's there's a uh, quite a mine complex, a Stillwater mine, this platinum palladium mine, and there mm-hmm. are significant efforts. Um, there's agreements and so forth. There's uh, extensive monitoring systems and so on to monitor and uh, the quality of of the water, you know, located here by the mine, so to make sure that there, you know, is no pollution or you know anything that's mm-hmm. entered into the water that's going to have an adverse effect. So the same thing, like I said, if we can maintain what we've got, you know, keep the high standards because it's kind of like the old uh, toothpaste and tube analogy. You know, once it once it squirts out of the tube, it's 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 virtually impossible to get it back in. And I liken that analogy to you know a lot of a lot of issues that we deal with. You know, once you kind of let something go, it's going to be extremely difficult to recover it uh, back to the way it was. That's a great analogy. I that's a first on the podcast, and I I love that. And as I said, it's very important. You know, we we have a lot of diverse, um, you know, interest groups and, and uses of the water system. And I think, again, you boil it all down to the essence and everybody, uh, as you mentioned about, you know, Montanans have, having, a, um, you know, a vital interest in maintaining, you know, the quality of, of the water. And I think everyone can, can agree on that basic concept. I know there's maybe... Mm-hmm differences of opinion or whatever um, after you get beyond that. But if you can kind of establish that fundamental, you know, basis uh, for ev- everyone to come into agreement and then we can, you know, make sure make sure that we're we're keeping that that qual- quality of the water. The beautiful part of this protection, the wild and scenic protection, is is, is it, it sees no party lines. It's bipartisan. So like you said, yeah, even though you may not see it eye to eye on, you know, every subject, uh, this is something that'll span and bridge the gap between parties. And one of the things about the Stillwater too, you know, I I interact with a lot of old timers, you know, guides that have been doing it a lot longer than I have, and and, and you know, you know, people in the community in various you know, businesses or agriculture, what have you. And you know, we always think it's better, you know, hearkening back to the the good old days, the way it used to be, and then probably a certain element of truth to that, I guess. You know, people talk about oh, things are more crowded than they were, and this and that, and but one thing that does strike me, and I've been operating on the Stillwater for, I guess, 18 years or so, is that um, I think it, I think for a, a smaller body of water, I mean, it's not the size of the Yellowstone or the Missouri or, mm-hmm. you know, even the Madison or something, it does uh, handle, I think, fairly well the pressure that it, that it does get. Um, you know, there are a lot of public mm-hmm. access sites. You know, you mentioned about, you know, different uses of the water system. You've got, uh, you know, not just uh, commercial, uh, you know, fly fishing businesses. You've got private, you've got commercial rafting. You've got pleasure rafters, kayakers, tubers. You've got a lot of people that use the the river during the during the course of the season, you know, primarily in the in the summer months. But it seems to be able to balance all that out, you know, fairly 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 well. You know, that's kind of more looking at the recreation side of things. But you know, again, it all it all hinges on the quality of the water. You know, if you don't have 
quality of water and if you don't have a fish population you're not going to have you know the fishing and so forth or or if you you know have detrimental uh impacts on the on the flows you know you're not going to be able to have the voting the floating rather um recreation so you know a lot of a lot of things like that lastly chris if you had a message for folks right now or could encourage others listening to take action what would that be well i think it's just that is to again to, to try to you know maintain uh the quality of of the waters and water systems that we have as as best as we can and that does not mean you know uh that you you, you know change quote unquote progress so on is inevitable you know we're, and there are going to be mm-hmm. increasing demands on 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 water for different uses you know industrial use you know commercial use uh you know just you know you know consumption of agriculture uh Mm-hmm. You know, community water systems, sport recreation. A lot of demands are placed on the water, so I think it is important if we can can do our best to try to keep keep the standards high, um, and then have responsible um, you know policies and so forth that that come in the in the years hereafter to to try to uh, you know keep it as best we can. So those that come behind us, you know, are able to enjoy at least to some degree what we've been able to enjoy. I couldn't agree more. We have the chance to get it right now, so we should do so. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. Yeah. Well, Chris, I want to thank you again for taking the time to stand up for your river, the Stillwater. I really appreciate your time on this, and I thank you. Well, it was my my pleasure, Kinsley. Thank you for having me. Um, You know, I I enjoy being able to, to share um, so to speak, our story, and as I said, it's a story of you know a lot of people uh, in this in this region, and I hope I was able to impart that message. Well, thank you again, Chris. From all of us here at Montanans for Healthy Rivers, thank you for tuning in. If you would like to learn more about the Crown of the Continent proposal, the Montana Headwaters Legacy Act, and to join our efforts, please visit Healthy Rivers MT dot org to add your endorsement.